so uh, Paul um, begins in um, verse 6 there, and he, he says, So just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in him. Um, that word live actually can also be translated as walk. Uh, it's this, as I've been talking about, this ongoing, progressive, continual, present kind of um, relationship with Jesus. And, um, and we, talk, we talk about how we were saved. Uh, Dottie and I were talking about that the other day, and somebody that we know and said, how, did he, how, how was he saved? How did he, you know, what we mean by that is how did he become a Christian? And we often talk about it and, and it, and it is a momentary event in our lives where we come to this knowledge of Jesus and, and he rocks our world and he changes our life and we realize that we are sinners and that he was perfect, but that because of his perfection and what he did for us on the cross, nailing that to the cross, that we now in him can be redeemed, can be saved. And that's a, it's this momentary event, but it doesn't stay in that moment, but it, it then carries with us. We, we walk it out for the rest of of our lives as we as we walk or live in Him. As we walk and live in Him. It's this present and continuous conduct to conform to the doctrine taught to, to us from the very beginning. That's what one commentator has said about this, this text that we're reading. Paul is encouraging them to stay the course. And um, and he goes on and he says, You're gonna do that in verse seven, as you need to be rooted and built up in him. And that idea of rooted is like this permanent establishment in Christ. Um, that we're founded in Christ. And, and that foundation never changes. We're always, our salvation is always rooted in Him. I don't know if you know, I, I, but anywhere, you see these all the time, these utility poles. Like we used to call them telephone poles, but now we all have cell phones, so like they're not really telephone poles anymore, I guess. Uh, but they could go 40 feet in the air but in order to go 40 feet in the air, they have to go 6 feet in the ground. So 13% of a telephone pole or utility pole is never seen. It's just driven down into the ground to keep it stable. And um, that's a large percentage of that pole. And that's exactly kind of the, the imagery that Paul is using here. It's also like a tree. I was digging um, in our yard a few weeks ago to bury a pipe, um, a drainage pipe that we have. And um, as I was digging, it was right by a tree. And of course, I inevitably hit roots, but I hit like, our trees are big. Like we have, if you've been to our house, we have some big trees in our yard. And so the, I was thinking, oh, it won't be too bad. But I got down there and the roots were like the tree. They were big. And they went out, and they went down, and they were like this. And I'm cutting through them, and I probably am killing our tree as I'm doing this. But I, I needed that drainage. But I had to go through these these huge roots that grounded this this ginormous tree into the ground, so that when the wind blows, it may sway, but it doesn't it doesn't fall over. And that's what what Paul is saying. We need to do with Christ. We need to be rooted, permanently established pushed down and grounded in Jesus and nothing else. No other teaching. No other person. No other religion. It's Him and Him alone. And then He says, and, and by doing that, you can then also be built up. Once you go deep, you can go high. But if you don't go deep, just go high, what happens when the wind blows? You blow over. And so He's saying, we, we need to be rooted in Jesus and then we're built up in Him. 
just as a tree or as a utility pole is grounded, so we need to be grounded so that we can grow up. And I don't know if you know this or not, this is not true about utility poles, but it is true about trees. Most trees never stop growing until they die. But they never stop growing. They grow wider, they'll grow taller, but they don't stop growing. Which speaks to that persistent, ongoing, continual pursuit or walking in Jesus. We're grounded, we're growing up, and it never stops. And as a result of that, in verse 7, he, he says that we are strengthening the faith and we are overflowing with thankfulness. Um, this one really hit me. This idea of, of a gratitude that naturally flows from being full of God. It's not forced, it's not contrived, it's totally natural and uncontrollable. Um, if a, think of a river for a moment, Susquehanna um, even. Um, it, when the winter starts to kind of wane and snow starts to melt in the springtime and the ice starts to melt on the river, we'll have floods in Harrisburg, right? And when that water starts rushing down, it just there's so much of it that it can't be contained and there's nothing we can do to contain it. And so it starts to spill out over the banks and onto the land on either side of the river. Or if you're at a restaurant um, and your glass runs out of water and your server comes up and starts to pour water from a pitcher into your glass but isn't paying attention and is talking to you while he or she is pouring it, what ends up happening if there's too much water that, that for, for the glass? It starts going out over the sides of the glass and then it, it, it goes onto the table. And it, this happens naturally. And it's, it's uncontrollable. The glass doesn't just grow bigger or stop it. It just it can't stop it. We can't stop the water from coming out of the river and going over the banks. That is what I think Paul is trying to describe here. As we are walking with Christ, in Christ, and as we are rooted and growing up in Him and being strength, we are strengthened by Him and our natural reaction, the only thing that we can do is respond with an overflow of thankfulness. And um, as followers of Jesus, that has to be our state. Um, and it doesn't matter what life throws our way, we should always be thankful to the Lord. So often, I think what ends up happening is life gets tough, and we mentioned this earlier, and we start taking our eyes off Jesus and we start putting them on our situation. And as soon as that happens, we're not walking in Him, we're no longer pushing down roots into Him, we're trying to push our roots into some worldly security. We stop growing up and our thankfulness dries up. And then what starts to happen? We get depressed, we get discouraged, and we start to feel defeated. And I think um, the antidote to all of that is to just refocus our attention. Um, you know, um, we should never run dry with thankfulness um, to the Lord. Even in difficult times, we should be overflowing with it. Because just from a pure volume standpoint, how much of God is there? Infinite. 
There's an endless amount of God. Should we ever run out of being of Him, like flowing into us? And, and no. The the only reason we stop like being able to be thankful is because we aren't rooted, we aren't established, we aren't looking to Him. We cut Him off. We cut Him off. It's not that He runs. The problem isn't Him. We don't run out of Him. The problem is us. We stop living our lives in Him, as Paul says in verse 6. We stop pursuing Him. So the antidote is to walk in Him again, is to, to praise Him again. We should be the most joyful, <laughs> happiest, peaceful people ever. Ever. And it doesn't matter what is going on in our lives. Because we are tapped into the source of life, the source of joy, and the source of hope. And if we're grounded in Him, we should have it regardless of what this life brings us. So um, so then we're kind of moving on. We'll, we'll keep moving on. Verse 8. Um, and he, he says that talking about not being taken captive to this hollow and deceptive philosophy that depends on human tradition. Um, and and he, he, the idea here is to challenge him not to be taken captive. And the word for captive means carried off as a slave. And, um, and what he's talking about not being carried off as a slave, like being carried off by, is this, this philosophy or this human tradition or the basic principles of this world. Um, it's like false teaching. And the, the, the church at this time was experiencing a lot of false, or s- several groups that were giving them false teaching, and it was seeping into their Christian beliefs, and they were becoming intermingled. And what Paul is saying is you can't have that happen. You must believe the gospel and the gospel alone and not this untruth. You can't let it seep into the life, the life of your church. You must stay Pure, you cannot be taken captive because it will take you captive. It will take you away from Jesus. This week in community group, our community group, um, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And one thing we mentioned was that Jesus, before he went back to heaven, said that he was going to send us another comforter, a paraclete, his Holy Spirit, to be with us. And he also said that it would be better, that it is better for us that he goes so that this one can come, so that the Holy Spirit can come. In John 16, what he what, what he's saying there is that somehow we are better off without Jesus being here with us in person. That him leaving us is better for us. And today, in verse nine, we learn that in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Well, if we believe, and as a church we do believe this. Um, and, and we proclaim this, that the Holy Spirit is like Jesus' spirit, that he is fully God, just as Jesus is fully God. And that Jesus has sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, not just to dwell around us, but to dwell in us, then that means we have Christ, not just in bodily form beside us, but you have Christ in you. We are in him and he is in us. Because Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we can now find the sufficiency to successfully counteract false teaching and overcome all sorts of evil in our lives. Because he is giving us wisdom. He is giving us strength. He is giving us insight. Because we are made full in him. 
on our own we lose, but with him we win. And in verse 10, he says as much. He he comments, he says, um, we are given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. We are made full in every way as we allow Christ to be our Lord. Not just our Savior in the moment and past, but our present Lord. We let him be in charge. There was this um, I don't think we're not going to get to that today. But there, there were lots of different beliefs in the church. One of those was Gnosticism. And it had come in to the church. And it believed basically that like matter was wrong. Matter was evil. Nothing good was, was part of matter. And um, as a result, it kind of believed that Jesus couldn't possibly be both fully man and fully God because man is matter and matter is wrong. So he kind of just appeared as some spirit being. He wasn't really flesh. And what Paul is saying, he's saying that is not true in verses 9 and 10. He says, the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. What these people are teaching you is not true. And we today have teachings that seem like they could be right um, and even be based in some type of truth um, that are desiring to pull us away from Christ, just as that Gnostic teaching kind of seemed right, because like matter does seem to be kind of weird and lead us into sin, um, but it wasn't true. And we have the same things going on. And there's a lot of them. There's religious systems that do this. There's social issues that do this. One that that came to mind is like um, is the issue of, of of abortion, and that is presented to us as um, as this thing where um, it's worded by its proponents to sound like it's a good thing and it's a wonderful thing and it's a loving thing. It's it's about women's rights, and um, and if you're not for it, then you're not for women's rights. And I would just say if you're as Christians we should be the biggest proponents of women's rights in the world. And if you're not, I hope you're not going home with a woman this afternoon. Um, we should be like respecters and, and, and we should push them forward and empower them. And, and, and we should love people and, 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 love, and, and love women. And, um, and we need to, but we also need to not just love the woman, but we also need to love the child. And, and, and then it gets really kind of murky because people say, well, the, the baby in the womb isn't quite a person yet, and it gets really confusing, and it seems right, but it it's, doesn't seem right. And it gets really confusing, just like it did for the first century church with some of this this teaching that was, was coming into it. And the antidote to that, Paul says, is to be rooted and built up in Christ. It's not to look to your own logic or your own reason or your own understanding to figure it out. It's not look, looking to worldly systems and sciences to give you the answer. It is to go to the truth, to go to God's Word and discover what it says and to sort out truth from there. Base it on that and on nothing else. And when that happens and we're empowered to interpret and understand the truth through the, the Holy Spirit, we get there, and we see God for who He is, and we live lives that please Him, 
in greater fullness because we're walking in Him. And Paul goes on in verses 11 to 14. We're going to try to buzz through this last section here. But, and, and he talks about baptism and circumcision. And I'm not going to get into what circumcision is. Like, if you have questions about that, talk about it when you get home. But, like, it was generally, I'm not going to give you the specific, generally it was the way that um, men came into, like, fellowship or into, like, kind of citizenship almost with, with the, the nation of Israel. This was their entrance into the nation of Israel. They were circumcised, and it was the sign that they were, they were citizens of, of, of Israel and, and into that community, membership with that community. And what Paul is saying here is, that is no longer your ticket in to the family of God. Your ticket in to the family of God, he, 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 he uses uh, baptism for that. And not that baptism even is, but it's what's behind the baptism, which is our faith in Jesus Christ. We, we respond to the faith that we have in Jesus Christ through baptism. It's our, our, our outward expression of what has happened to us. It's our public proclamation. And he says that, it's Jesus. It's not even about it. It's Jesus that is our entrance into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. That baptism represents new life in Christ and our citizenship in the family of God. And then in verse 15, where it's our last verse, he goes on and he says, and having, this is amazing. Think about all the times you've tried to resist doing what you shouldn't do and how that was just a losing battle when you did it on your own every time. And then think about this. It says, and having disarmed, this is speaking of Jesus, the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What everyone else saw as a loss for Christ was actually the biggest win ever. And in, in that act of sacrifice, of humble sacrifice, he triumphed over sin and he made a spectacle, a public spectacle. He, it's like putting somebody on display and shaming them in front of everyone. And that's what he did with sin. And it's control over us through the cross. That's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> he made a spectacle over the powers and authorities and anyone who was opposed to Christ and his people, anything that is opposed to Christ and his people. And now, because of that, we in him have power over them as well. In fact, as we talked about in our community groups this week, um, I made mention of this maybe earlier today as well, but we now have his power at work within us. The power that enabled Jesus to overcome and triumph over evil, we now have in us as Christians. I, um, I don't know how to like, I sometimes get up here and I really want to like convey to you like the power of what, what this is and I, that words just don't describe. The only way for us to really, I think, wrap our minds around that is for us to allow the Holy Spirit to open us to this truth. But the same power that put sin on spectacle in front of the world that conquered death is now in you. So often I walk around um, this world kind of like a powerless 
weakling, um, and I walk around as though I'm living at the mercy of whatever influence or power might blow my way. I don't walk around like a utility pole that's grounded or a large tree that has roots running deep and is not going to be knocked over by the winds that come. But what Paul, I think, is trying to tell the church is that when you're rooted, when you're grounded in Christ, when you you don't allow this untruth that the world wants to have infiltrate uh, the, the gospel and intermingle with it and lead you astray, when you protect yourself against that through the power of, of Jesus, what ends up happening is you now have the power of God at work within you and you are rooted in such a way and built up in such a way that you are not going to be blown over because what is living in you is the power of God. Jesus, all the fullness of the deity lived in bodily form and now that power and that fullness is at work within us today. Because of that, I'm not sure this is going to take, this is why community is so important because on our own, we get isolated and we start walking through life like it has power over us. But we need each other to not just once a week, but continually, um, daily, you know, on a regular basis, be feeding this truth into our lives that we can't live with a failure mentality that it's just a matter of time until we do something wrong, or it's just a matter of time until we give in, or it's just a matter of time until evil gets its way. We can't live like that. God doesn't desire for us to live like that, but when we isolate ourselves, we begin to believe some of these untruths, and that's how we start to live. We start to live these weak, kind of anemic, kind of like flimsy lives. We don't walk in the power of God that is in us. Um... We don't have to ask, we don't have to wake up and think to ourselves, how am I going to lose out today? And we don't have to wonder, is God going to come through for me this time? Those are questions we never have to deal with, ever as believers in Jesus Christ. Because He always comes through. Always, We can walk confidently through tragedy and turmoil and sickness and even into death itself if we are rooted and built up in Jesus because of what He has done for us, because He is with us, because He quite literally is in us. In Romans 8, Paul said these words. He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are not defeatists, my friends. We we cannot be resigned to it. We are conquerors. He is in us. Now, we're not called to be dictatorial, domineering, brutal tyrants. But we are to live in humble confidence of God's power and in humble service to him and the people around us, always confident of his control in every situation. Um, and I, I, um, I don't know, I don't know where you personally are today, like, or what, what's going on in your lives. Um, 
but I think I know part of what God would want to have you here today is that he's in control. And that regardless of what this world tells you, regardless of what kind of your experience may indicate, he has not failed and you are not going to fail. That you in him are a conqueror. And um, even if everything in this world crumbles down around us, we are victorious eternally in him. And because of that, we should have such security that we can boldly live and speak for him, not just in the moment of our salvation, but throughout the entirety of our lives. So that, has, that truth has, is nowhere more clearly displayed than what Christ did for us on the cross. Um, he, uh, he, was, he knew, because he was God, because he is God, that God is always in control. And it doesn't mean that things aren't hard. Like, it was hard. I mean, when he was in prayer in the garden, he was like sweating blood. It was so hard. But he didn't give in. He didn't give up because he, he knew that Jesus or that God is in control. Nothing was out of his control. In fact, the scripture even says he could call down angels at any time to change the situation. His death was not defeat. His death was victory. And um, his death was not just victory for him, but it was victory for us. And um, so we, once a month, celebrate the Lord's Supper to remind ourselves of that. To remind ourselves that in him we are not defeated, but we are alive. In him we don't have despair, we have hope. Um, In him we have victory. So this other... um, We just thank you today for being so faithful to us and um, for for loving us enough to send your own son to die for us. And Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. We thank you for rising from death, having the power over death, conquering it, and making a spectacle of it and sin. And we would just humbly ask this morning in Jesus' name, that you would keep us aware of our need of you, not just in the moment of our salvation, but through the entirety of our lives. And, that, and, and, and as we're aware of that, that we would become more open to your Holy Spirit, that we would take down walls. We, we have all the Holy Spirit that we can ever have when we become Christians, but some, somehow we, we seem to just like push you away and sequester you to parts of our lives. And we pray that you would tear down those walls where we resist you, so that we could experience you in your fullness more and more and more as we grow more rooted and are more built up in in you, Jesus. And so that we would have the strength and the power that we need to to walk in in truth and in hope and, 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 and really just walk in power in this world, bringing you the glory you honor through the life that we live. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you have done for us. And today we especially thank you for what you accomplished for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.